my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Welcome, everybody, to Beach Commute with Jeff, Marissa, and Diego. We are the digital nomad experts. How's that, Marissa? I, I'm liking that one today. It's better than the Digital Nomad Resource Center. <laughs> I'm not a resource Ultimate. center. I'm a person, Jeff. <laughs> You're a person and a resource. How's that? All right. I can't remember okay. what you just said, but it sounded good. Now that I've gotten your approval, today we're going to be talking about <laughs> top digital nomad destinations. And specifically, we're going to get into, for those of you that are just looking to get into the space and kind of dip your toes in the water, which locations would probably be best for you. So to start, what? how would we go about defining what a good digital nomad location is for a starter? Thoughts? All right. That's a good question. I think there's a lot to unpack there. I'm, I'm thinking back a little bit to, yeah, all of the new people that have joined Wi-Fi Tribe over the last, what, five years. And there's always obviously different places that people tend to go to. And at some point, we also just asked ourselves, well, if we're you know, constantly coming back to places that we really like, then we should probably help people decide on which places would be ideal for them um, based on where they're at in their journey, right? Is it somebody who's coming in for the first time? Are they just exploring this kind of lifestyle? Or is, or is it somebody who already knows a lot about these things and is maybe up for a few more adventurous uh, destinations, right? So um, in terms of thinking about what makes a place really great for starters, I think the first thing that comes to mind is, is that a place where you can find, obviously, is it, first of all, is it a place where you can work well, right? And there's a few more things to consider there. But then the second one, which is quite big, and maybe you might overlook is, is it a place where you're going to find people, right? In terms of community of like-minded people, other people that are working remotely, so that this whole lifestyle doesn't become so lonely, it doesn't, it's not so difficult for you to stay productive, while you're there and you don't ultimately just get to the point where you're like, okay, well, this clearly isn't sustainable. So I'm going to go back home now. Right. You're not out in the boonies basically. Right. Exactly. Well, you can be in the boonies with friends and Wi-Fi, Jeff. Perfect. (laughs) We've done that. And we've done that. Yes. In fact, that is my favorite location on earth. As long as it has the friends. Um, No, but it could also, you you could be in a, in a big city, right. And totally just drown in that city uh, and if there is, you know, if there's a handful of digital nomads, for example, there, but they're spread across and it's just really difficult to get in touch and to find that connection, then it'll feel like you are alone in a massive city, right? Which we, we, we all know that feeling, right? Um, drop yourself in New York City or drop yourself in, I don't know, Paris, Berlin, London. Like those are the, the kind of places where, yes, some of those people exist, but it's going to be difficult to find. them. There's no, there's no like epicenter for, for this kind of community that you can gravitate around. Yeah. And I think with cities and we'll jump into smaller ones, I feel like also it's not as good to your point to start because a lot of people can form and find relationships just with people living in that city permanently. Whereas if you go to some of these smaller kind of locations that we're going to talk about today, um, you might not make as many friends with local people, to be honest. But as a digital nomad getting started, you're going to quickly surround yourself and find this community of other digital nomads. And that's just what's I, I would say the easiest way to make friends when you first get started. So today we're going to talk about the six most common, just kind of digital nomad friendly, I would call them even like towns, maybe more than cities, but 
kind of places if you've never done the digital nomad thing, if you're just getting started, like where should you book that first flight? So I think we should start with Bali. I, we're we're going to get, we're walking you through That's six. the obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> the obvious one. It was my first one where I met Diego. Uh-huh. Um, but let's to get started. So by the way, for anyone listening, we didn't even introduce ourselves. We're Jeff, Diego, and Marissa, co-founders of Beach Commute. We've done a lot of these, vaca- of a lot of these locations. So Jeff is still yet to get to Bali, correct? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Jeff is still alive in there. Um, so we're going to, I guess, Diego can kind of kick this off. <laughs> we'll, we'll kick it off. Uh, Diego, what do you think, like, what makes Bali, like, the digital nomad hotspot? I'll share some opinions afterwards. But if you think about yourself arriving there, like, why, what makes it so amazing? It's one of my favorite places in the world. Yeah. Bali's incredible. We've been back there so many times now. And I remember going over there the first time. I obviously went already with that. There was a certain expectation, right? Because everybody is talking about Bali, everybody who's kind of like in the scene. And that was five years ago, right? People were already going there 15 years ago. Um, And 10 years ago, that was sort of like when the first people were like, oh, Bali really is absolutely the kind of place for this, you know, the handful of people that were doing this kind of thing. And so what you arrive in Bali and, um, you know, first first option that you have is get out of the airport. It's obviously super warm there. uh, And it's like you can take a, a cab or uh, you can ask somebody to pick you up on a scooter and drive you across this really busy <laughs> town. Everyone's driving on scooters and, you know, you're just zooming past these like rice fields and the jungles and it just, the jungle, it just looks, it looks incredible, right? There's temples. It's just, it's a, it's a very different world. It's, it's beautiful, stunning, you know? Um, and in terms of a travel destination, it is probably one of the most amazing places that you can, that you can get to. There's um, the culture there is Hindu. Um, in a country that is actually most, that is, I think, almost only Muslim, but there's um, there's just one island there, Bali, uh, within Indonesia that is uh, that has Hindu culture. So it's also a very different culture from um, from everything that you would find around it, right? Um, yeah, so it's just this in- incredible place to travel to. And I think that itself is the, the first thing that people remember, right? Yeah. So if you've seen Eat, Pray, Love, that's obviously like, those, <laughs> you know, those are some of those memories and expectations that you have. But that just makes a place an amazing travel destination. Yeah. Right? And so you'd say, well, okay, then only travelers are kind of like being attracted to this place. But what I think then has really turned that into a place for digital nomads, it must have been that early on um, prices were low and prices definitely still are. Mm-hmm. So in terms of living expenses, you can live there for, for a long time, uh, rent out beautiful villas, stunning places at a really, really good price. So just the cost of living there is low and you can afford a really great lifestyle in Bali, right? I think that was a big part of what initially attracted people over there. And then I, I believe that what happened is that it was, it just became like this kind of like the self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Let me, <laughs> let me give you an idea of like what that looks like here on the ground. There's this gelato place and the sandwich place here in Italy that always has a queue in front of it. And the queues are absolutely nuts. So one day we actually, like we found a moment where there wasn't a crazy queue. We, we still had to queue. We got the sandwich and we're like, wow, this is not as amazing as we thought, right? <laughs> What happened is that the queue itself t- sent a signal to everyone that this place is the best sandwich place in the world or the best one in, in Italy, right? And the same thing is kind of, um, I think, kind of happened with with Bali. You certainly, it is stunning, but on top of that, you cert- it did it's marketing for itself in a sense, right? Everybody was coming there. More and more people were, were sort of staying there for a little bit longer. And then people would talk about the fact that they met other travelers there who were also working, right? And then the next time, you know, year by year, there'd be more and more and more people. And suddenly people were talking about Bali as being the hub of digital nomads. Um, so this community formed there. And and that really is the, it, it was kind of the epicenter for for digi- the, the whole yeah. you know, digital mo- nomad movement. It's where it started, 
and where the community still to this day is is the strongest. Yeah. So many good parts of it. I think back to arriving, I landed at like four in the morning. I had joined a Wi-Fi tribe chapter, so I had the accommodations figured out. But in general, if if you're not doing a tribe or something like that, I want to say you could probably get an amazing villa with a pool with the view of a rice field for like $500 a month, less if you want, you know, not a pool or not a view, but still like a perfectly nice place to live. So, you know, just for the cost of living, like you said, a lot of people who are nomading or starting a business or whatever, you know, are looking for those inexpensive places where you can stay a while. So it definitely checks that box. Um, it is somewhat unusual in the fact that it's super, you know, you're on an island, it's very beachy, but there's still strong Wi-Fi, which is not always the case in the beach town. So that checks the box. Um, the food is amazing. Like, I know Diego is more of a cafe, coffee, all the food kind of person, but there's a zillion hey, cafes. It's incredible too. Yeah. <laughs> I know you love the coffee. The cafes, like, you know, it's like two or three dollars for like an amazing, healthy meal. Like there's Everywhere there is like indoor outdoor, which is one of my favorite parts about it. You feel like you're out, like the the showers are outside. Every cafe is like, you know, it has two walls and it's looking over rice fields or it's just open. You get a scooter for like, you know, you pay thirty fifty a day. Yeah. yeah, it's like I think thirty dollars or forty dollars I paid for the month to, to ride a scooter and you feel like so free. You can explore all these incredible places. Um, one thing I really loved about it. So again, this was. I had been working online and kind of traveling and doing this different life before really jumping in as a digital nomad. And nobody understood me or the life I was living or envisioning when I was like, I'm going to travel the world and work. Everyone I knew was like, you're, you're what? You're, you're crazy. And I'll never forget this feeling arriving in Bali, aside just like being with Wi-Fi tribe people there. But, you know, I'd meet all there's It's so easy. Like everywhere you go, there's just digital nomads in this town. And I guess you used to say, I'm referring to Chengu within... Um, there's yeah. also Ub- Ubud is, is another kind of popular town, but I've lived in Chengdu and everywhere you go, it's just very obvious. There's people working from their laptops, like every cafe you go to, everywhere you go, every gym you go to, when you go surfing, when you go to the bar, it's like, it's just, it's like a little hub of digital nomads, um, which can be, you know, if you're looking for a very local experience, it's not necessarily that. But one thing that I did enjoy when I arrived there, I suddenly was, you know, when I would talk to people or meet people, they were like, you know, they weren't saying, what are you doing? How are you living? They're like, oh yeah, obviously it's like you're traveling, you're working online, you're doing your, you are a digital nomad. And so I just felt really part of a community that understood me in a way that I had never um, been anywhere else. So I think that that was really exciting. So to that, it's just, it's so easy to meet people. There's co-working spaces that everywhere you go, like they have events and everybody's looking to make friends because everybody is there as a traveler, it's easier to jump, you know, it's easy to jump into little communities to make friends. And then there's also just amazing, like, side trips to do from there. There's, like, cool islands. You hop on a scooter and in an hour you can be somewhere. Um, so there's just tons, you know, there's, like, volcanoes to explore, camping, beaches, other cities, towns. Like, it's, I'm obsessed with Bali. I would live there forever. So do we miss anything, Diego? Who got this Bali? Yeah, it's an, well, also surf, surf paradise uh, for yeah. a lot of people. They go there for that too. Um, but yeah, I, I think one of the the things that you talked about there was that idea of the, these co-working spaces, I guess, that are there, right? And we all know co-working spaces from from where we're at, but many of those destinations that we used to, or that you know, digital nomads travel to early on, didn't have co-working spaces that were specifically geared to this group of people, right? So Bali did that. They, I guess somebody at some point realized early on that, hey, these people are coming here. Well, we should build a co-working space for them. 
Um, so there's this place uh, run by by Mike in uh, in uh, Changu called uh, the Dojo, and that's I would say it's probably the best co working space in the world when it comes hmm. to achieving a purpose yeah. of a co working space that most only talk about but never actually achieve, which is hmm. it actually brings people together. It actually creates community, right? Most co working yeah. spaces end up just being that a co working space, and then people go home, right? Yeah. And that itself, I believe, has like the this this one effort you know that that uh, mike has done there in creating dojo has has created an even more you know intense community around changu and you mentioned changu versus uh, ubud i think that's one more thing to just double down on and and mention quite specifically i don't recommend going to bali and going to any other areas um i mean unless like you're really looking for something remote but there are um there's other areas that are like you know in the the busy city and you will not experience the same thing as you find in changu or ubud but there are differences between those two as well. So Changu is all about like sort of more of a beach vibe. You have access to quick access to the beach there. Um, it is a little bit, I would say a little bit more touristy, a little bit more commercial, definitely mm-hmm. super geared to digital nomads. Yeah. And Ubud, um, on the other hand, is um, it's a more of a, a cultural, like it's like the cultural center point of Bali. It's yeah. become quite crowded. But mm-hmm. it, it also doesn't have access to the beach. But again, there's more. There's more culture there. It's a, it's a very different vibe. So certainly, yeah, it's more spiritual, it. yogi. Yeah. That's sort. Of, yeah, you're kind of like more in the rice fields with no beach or inland. But it is, you know, whichever yeah. one. You, it's it's so cool to visit. It's and it's only like an hour and a half drive or so um, from there. And also something to note on your scooter. Yes. So we did that. Um, and also one thing with Bali is it's super close to the airport too. You fly into Denpasar and it's like a 45 minute drive. And there's something to be said for that as a new nomad as well. When you're not arriving somewhere, you don't have to like take a four hour bus on top of your 12 hour flight or whatever. So I think that about, I mean, Bali is magical. I highly recommend that it is the cliche first place for digital nomad for a reason. Um, one of the best places in the world, in my opinion, and in Asia, and maybe to that next one, you want to hit Chiang Mai as number two to compare another Asia destination. Yeah, I might throw that back to back to you, Marissa. I feel like you might have an even better <laughs> just feel for for Chiang Mai, and I mean, we've both been there together as well. That was actually right after Bali when yeah. we uh, when we met there for the first time. So it's kind of cool to have sort of done those two back to back and be able to compare them in a sense. There are some similarities for sure in terms of the community that's that's been built around it, um, but yeah. Throwing it right back to you. Yeah, I'll jump in. So I actually have, for all of these, again, this is all personal opinion. Everyone has different travel styles and likes different things. Chiang Mai is by far and away one of the most popular digital nomad hotspots. It's actually not one of my favorite places in the world. So I like to share that honestly, and I'll talk about why. But it is very easy for a digital nomad, and it's not the popular opinion. So take it, Diego's like well, giving well, me a face. Marissa, that's why I gave it back to you because <laughs> I have the same opinion. Okay, uh, well here we go. <laughs> I don't, I don't know if we've never talked about this somehow. Okay, so we'll give our honest feedback of Chiang Mai and share it for what it is and isn't. So, um, in Thailand, I guess personally, I love the beaches, I love the islands, and Chiang Mai is very landlocked. So there actually are some popular, I would say. Um, Copenhagen, which wasn't on our list, is actually a really popular digital nomad hotspot. So maybe take take that for what it is. If you really want to get to Thailand, Copenhagen might be for you, where it is super beachy. It's also very affordable, um, a pretty good nomad community, though a lot of times it's more backpackery than necessarily nomad, but there's, there's definitely a mix. But when it comes to Chiang Mai, um, you're in this kind of little city within the mountains. 
I would say the highlight for me is honestly the food. Thailand has, I would say, the best food in the world of anywhere I've experienced. So if you want to go eat for a month, like <laughs> go to go to Chiang Mai. Um, it is very affordable. Same as Bali. You can get pretty good housing for a very reasonable price. You know, people even say three, four hundred dollars a month you could get an apartment. Um, that's good. You can rent a scooter if you want. It's a little bit more walkable than Bali is. Um, but there are tons of co-working spaces, tons of cafes. There are tons of like networking events for digital nomads. I was also there with Wi-Fi Tribe. So we were really part of a group when we lived there. I didn't need all that, but it definitely exists. It's also super easy to fly into. There's, uh, you know, to me, Bali has a charm that you still kind of feel like you're in a really special place. Chiang Mai, while there is the old town and there's temples that you can literally explore and walk around during the day, we also lived like two seconds from a mall. And I, I had come from, I had come from the glamour of Bali. Maybe that was part of it. Where I was like, what is this mall doing next to me? I want to live in this like a glamorous little beach town that feels like I'm really in a different world. But there's also, you know, sometimes it's like you need a pair of shorts if you need to fix your laptop, like you can do that in Chiang Mai. So I think that is an appeal for some people. And then from there, um, there's some pretty cool, like I guess Pi was one of my favorite excursions. It's maybe a couple hour drive north into the mountains. We went and like played with elephants one day in a sanctuary where they took care of them. There's other mountains to kind of like couple hour drive so there are places to explore, but within Chiang Mai, I mean, that's that's the general overview, but my, I guess we share the personal opinion that it's, it's not my favorite place, but a lot of people say I'm crazy. Yeah, I mean, you are, and at the same time, it's totally <laughs> fair to have that opinion. <laughs> In this case, I share that opinion, and probably I'm crazy too. Um, but I, so what I can do maybe is just give sort of like a, a different perspective to that, because we don't want to just be doom and gloom about, about Chiang Mai. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, no, but just to, to understand like why it has this pull for people, I've talked to a lot of people who've kind of like been in Chiang Mai or been in, in Bali and there's this weird, it feels almost like people are either team Bali or team ah, Chiang Mai. And that's fair. That, We're just both right. team Bali. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder partially whether that is where were your first experiences, right? In yeah. our case, that was Bali for sure. Um, but the other thing it might that might have something to do with that as well is where did you feel more at home in a sense of the people that were around you that made you feel like you were plugged into a community? Because that right. is the thing that most people are going to like. That's what at the end of the day is keeping people there and is getting people to come back again and again and again, right? Um, and people, some people will say, look, I love Bali. It's so much fun. But the community in Chiang Mai was exactly what I was looking for, right? And vice versa, right? You might have somebody else saying that. So the vibe of the people that you find there is definitely different yeah. as well. Just bear that in mind. Like who, who you know, based on who you are, you're going to you're gonna drive a lot better with some people in one destination because that destination yeah. itself attracts a type of person, right? So Diego, if you were to explain those, so if someone's listening and they're like, am I a Chiang Mai people or am I a Bali people? How would you explain <laughs> the type of person who is in each of those? Oh, wow. That is pretty now. <laughs> <laughs> and things will have changed, certainly yeah, over time, you know, when Bali's we're looking at it. Crowded. Yeah, because we were there, what, five years ago, and then we came back again two to three years ago, and I was like, wow, this is very different already, right? Yeah. But yeah, let's see Let's see if I can kind of summarize that a little bit. So um, I feel that in, in Chiang Mai, there was, uh, so there's a lot of exploration in, in both places, right? A lot of like exploring who you are, you know, your, your purpose, you know, whole lifestyle. like there's a lot of very My like, favorite. you know, ex exactly. Um, but you get that in both, right? Yeah. I just feel that in, in Chiang Mai, there is more 
um, I feel like there's a small, slightly smaller or slightly more tight knit community that once you've plugged yourself into, you really enjoy being part of and coming back to over and over again. Whereas in Bali, it feels like it's a, a lot more, um, a lot more fluid. There's, there are so many more people coming into that space and there's so much more on offer in terms of the co-working spaces and all these pa- uh, places where community is being built that, um, that basically people don't form these like these, these uh, connections that pull them back in all the time into that same community, but rather in Bali, you find that you're, you're constantly just meeting new people um, as well as of course, meeting some old friends as well. Right. But I would say that's probably part of that difference. Um, and Bali, I would say is more of a widespread of people of all kinds of, you know, people looking for all kinds of different things. Yeah. Um, whereas Chiang Mai seems to be a lot more, uh, I would say a little more alternative, but a lot more about that self-exploration, self-discovery, um, more, more even in that tight knit community focus. You're saying right? Bali is more of the self-discovery. No, I would say even uh, oh, Chiang Mai. Oh, interesting. And I feel like that Bali is, is a spread of, of a lot of different right. people, right? You definitely have the self-discovery, but because so many people come there, um, it's not like there's a one theme for ba- the, the people of Bali, basically right. the people who come to Bali, um, whereas you do have that kind of in Chiang Mai. Fair enough. All right. So hopefully we've given you an idea of Bali, of Chiang Mai. We're going to move continents here. And the next one we're going to hop into is Playa del Carmen in Mexico. So this is another one of my all-time favorite places. Whenever anyone asks me, like, if you had to move somewhere in the world, I'd say Bali number one, but it is across the continent from my family and time zone. So Playa del Carmen is actually so far um, probably my second top destination in the world in terms of living. I know. I always tell people. I did not know that. I know, right? I spent uh, probably a total of almost six months there, which as you guys know, like I never spend, part of that was because COVID, I went back there and was was there for like two, three months and spent uh, a couple months there to begin with. But it's not a place, if anyone, whenever like I have friends from home ask me about it, I'm like, it's not a place I would recommend to anyone as the top place in the world to go on vacation. And even within Mexico, I would say go 45 minutes down the road yeah. to Tulum, to, mm. to Holbosch, to like a million places around there. Like don't go there if you have one week for vacation, but it's a place to live or to be there for a couple months. I absolutely love it. So Diego, you've spent some time there too. Um, what do you think makes it a great digital nomad hotspot? Cool. Yeah. The way that I describe Playa del Carmen to anyone when I'm doing, you know, the interviews for for Wi-Fi Tribe is it is for somebody who's been remote for a while. It's like a vacation of being remote. It is <laughs> yeah. unbelievably it's so easy. It's easy. Yeah, exactly. You've got you've got all the comforts, everything that you know from home. Everything's like easy access right around the corner. You can walk to anything. Food is amazing, delicious and really not expensive. So like you're eating out all the time internet's good you've got access to cafes like literally everything like if there was a you know a checklist of stuff that digital nomads needs like it, yeah. it covers all of them yeah to a degree of comfort that you're like wow this is yeah it's just it's just a chill way to to spend time um that's why i think many people uh, it's easy to start in and yeah. why many people keep on coming back to that it's just like okay I'm going to go, you know, to Oman and Japan and, and some places where I'm going <laughs> yeah. to be more out of my comfort challenge zone. yourself um, yeah players. exactly exactly that it is the opposite yeah one thing i love so the apartments they're they're all very like um not luxurious is the wrong word but you can get like really great apartments for quality yeah yeah good quality for low price it has a pool it has like updated kitchens and things the wi-fi is strong 
you're usually a couple blocks from the beach, um, which I love, but with strong Wi-Fi still. And like you said, it has everything you need. So it's one of those places where weirdly I'm like, oh, I need to go buy this weird little thing. And I'll like Google on my phone. It's like, it's two doors away. Everything you need is somehow like within a block. I swear. I don't understand, but it's magic. Um, it's yeah, it's just very affordable. And the community there, there are so many digital nomads living there, I think because it's so easy and it's so close to the US. So I'm from Atlanta. It's like a two hour flight. Sometimes I'm closer when I'm there than even some places in the US. So I think that's appealing to some people as well. Um, but yeah, it's really easy to get there. You meet like one right person who can add you to a WhatsApp group. If you haven't traveled before, WhatsApp is the text messaging service that everyone else in the world uses besides Americans. But you literally just get added to a group and there's like, like always just a hundred digital nomads there at any given time. Someone says like, you know, volleyball tonight. There's this dancing tonight. There's this meditation group tomorrow. I'm going here the next day. Like it is so easy. There's several, I think there's probably three main co-working spaces, but a million cafes that are that indoor outdoor feel. And again, you're by the beach and there's tons of great, um, you can go to yeah. the trips are amazing. So there's, um, Cenotes all around that are within, you know, like 30 minutes driving distance, even 15 minutes from Playa. What are cenotes, Marissa? Ah, yes, the cenotes. <laughs> They're these like super Instagrammable, like little blue hole lagoons. I don't even know how to explain them. If you like Instagram, like, and you want to go take a picture there, I think that's what they're for. <laughs> I'm just joking. Okay. That's what they've kind of turned, <laughs> that's what Instagram. they've turned into. <laughs> they've turned into that. But before Instagram, they're just these really beautiful little like blue holes of water that are like crystal clear. Some people you can dive in them. You can like jump through like through rocks into them. They're really, really pretty. Just cool to explore. So technically, if you want to get technical, they're like, like I think the water rises from the ground and like fills these places. And is that, is that sciencey enough? And, yeah. And that, that's in the oh, right? Like he's a geologist too. <laughs> the multi-talented Marissa. <laughs> I've really learned well there, but um, yeah. And even there's like so many islands. Holbosch is it's like a two hour drive. It's super rustic, like hole in the wall. I think it's going to be a hot spot, but it's close there. Isla Mujeres. Um, you can go to Tulum is a 45 minute drive. Cancun is a 45 minute drive. What's the island? I'm totally blanking. Like right across that you can see. I don't. Uh, it's like super. I'm blanking just, as well. Oh my gosh. Um, you keep talking, Diego. It's like embarrassing that I can't think of what it's called right now. It's like where all the cruise ships stop, but it's also really pretty. But anything else about Playa del Carmen that we're missing? I'm going to look this up. Yeah. And while you find the the name to the wonderful island, which I also can't think of. <laughs> Cozumel. Cozumel. Oh, that's it. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. We're just testing. Um, yeah. yeah the, the other thing about Playa, I think that that's like a, a really big um, draw point is diving. Right. It's mm -hmm. a it's an yeah. amazing place to start diving, to get your license. It doesn't cost much. And honestly, one of the most beautiful places I've ever been to to do that diving. And yes, that island Cozumel is one of the great <laughs> spots where you can do that. But they also do diving in these cenotes, which is it just feels like you're like like a lunar landscape, but underwater. Like it's a totally different diving oh, experience. So cool. if you've ever yeah. wanted to get it. Yeah, no, it's so worth it. Yeah. So worth it. So that brings people in for sure. Yeah. And even with diving, there's it's one of the few places in the world where, where whale sharks um, come through. It's super oh, yeah. easy. Beautiful. Oh. You have to be there a certain time of the year. And also a certain time of the year, you can dive with bull sharks, which is super dangerous normally. But there's something about there's like pregnant, they're pregnant female sharks and they're more docile. So there's, I know. <laughs> yeah, that makes it be. okay. Yeah. It's usually super reason. dangerous. 
But when they're pregnant, they're like friendlier. It's fine. <laughs> but it is one of the top diving I places. I trust you. <laughs> yes, it is true. But yeah, great Sharks, dive spot. Not as good for surfing. So yeah, PTC is not a surfing spot. Yeah, but you can do. Yeah. I did paddle. I would go paddle boarding for sunrise. I never wake up for sunrise, but for me, it was like so worth it. Even for that, I would join beach volleyball groups. I joined a boxing gym. It's just like it's got yoga. This mountain like. Rock climbing, all the things, not mountains, but rock climbing inside. All the things you need to be healthy. So I think we're wrapped up with PDC. Um, in keeping in the Central South America theme, one I have not been to, I'll kick it over to you, Jeff and Diego. It is the most popular one, I would say, is Medellin in Colombia. So boys, I know that's both of your, one of your top destinations. What do you love about it? Well, I'm going to be a little bit biased because it was my first place that I went to. Always our first, our first love. Um, it was actually <laughs> the first place. It's It always is. And I'm always going to be a little bit biased. You're always going to have like a little extra edge for that. You know, you're like rooting for the home home team kind of thing. I originally went there back in 2015 with a buddy and he was telling me like, you're kind of at home here. You should probably take a sabbatical and just move there for like three months and just, just wing it and see what happens. Um, and then turns out Wi-Fi tribe had a chapter there. I signed up. I was approved within like 12 hours and met Diego. So that was my within actual, that hours. was my first chapter. It was in 12, you guys were quick turning them around. Whoa. Yeah. Biggest mistake we I ever on, made. <laughs> I get on the, <laughs> and look at us now. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, so I've, um, when it, when it comes to choosing a new digital nomad spot for, for somebody that's just getting into the space, I've, I've, written about this pretty extensively. There's a few criteria that I look for. One is language. Can you get by with the language? Like how well, how well can you make it? How much English do they speak? How well do you know the local language? Um, that checks that box pretty easy. Like the Spanish is actually pretty easy to pick up there. Um, two, access to internet. That's so big for me that it has to be, the opposite of that would be like Bolivia. It's pretty pretty low. Like while Diego's done a hell of a job, oh, yeah. that's on the other end of the spectrum. Like you had to work your ass off to get that, right? Medellin, yeah, yeah. you can just kind of, you can just drop you in the middle of the city and you're going to find good internet. Uh, next thing is cost. Oh yeah, go ahead. You got something else? I, I yes, I would like to uh, come to the defense, the defense of Bolivia at this point. I feel so inclined. Don't you challenge Bolivia, Jeff? Yes, Bolivia has I been thought challenged. I gave you your dues and proper's pretty thoroughly. You, no, you you did for me. Yes, personally, yes, but not to Bolivia. Okay. So, um, <laughs> quick one on Bolivia. Pull that um, up on Nomad List right now. Go ahead, keep talking. So no, but the internet has massively improved over the last five years. Like we've. At our house, which is 45 minutes out of La Paz, we now have 100 meg internet, which I don't get in, in Germany, right? Oh, wow. So, oh. like, things have really, really okay. changed. But this is just a random little side note, shout out that, guys, put Bolivia on your list. Obviously, it's not your, you know, it's not your top. Okay, okay, I'm going to, guys, you go for it. I'm going to mute myself. We've got an obscure, obscure location podcast coming up. So, we're going to, that's, that's, you're that's going to be on you're that. Just, you're just getting me going. Obscure location. <laughs> All right, I'm going to mute myself. Not for, always better. For background, anyone listening, Diego is half Bolivian and has a very soft spot for Bolivia. Jeff and Diego, I have all been there together and love it very much. Yes. But it is maybe not the best start, not like the first place I would send someone to. It is epic, and I do highly recommend it. How politically <laughs> it indeed correct. Indeed, a follow-up podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Third thing on the list is cost of living. All right. So cost of living, it's free in Medellin. 
That's, that's basically the only way to put it. The, the accommodations are cheap. The food, the food is unbelievably cheap. If I can, like while this conversation is going, I'll pull up the cost comparison. If you guys ever go to numbeo.com, N-U-M-B-E-O.com, you can look up cost of living comparison. You can check your hometown versus wherever it is that you're looking to travel to. And it'll tell you the cost of living adjustment in your local currency for things like a gallon of milk, a coffee, a beer, and things like that. And generally, like compared to the States, Medellin is about 50, depending on where you're coming from, 50 to 75% cheaper across the board. So it's very, very cost effective to live there. You could just like drop down in the middle of Medellin for three months and be totally fine. You got internet, language is okay, is very, very affordable. Plus there's a lot of things to do around there, right? So Diego, we've got, let's just start listing off stuff. I mean, we've got Watape, like with all of the, which is a whole bunch of Finger Lakes, basically, um, maybe about two hours away. And you can, um, we've we've rented, like we've done this there. twice now. You've got villas. Yeah, exactly. We rented mm. this. Oh my God, that Finca. They we have to fincas. talk about the Finca. We have to talk yes. about the Finca. So we walk in the Finca and it's it's a big panoramic of this beautiful lake. It's just a perfectly calm lake. Sun's out and walk right in and there's a lion at the front door. <laughs> it's, a, it's a stuffed lion. I immediately thought Pablo Escobar's house. Oh my God, he got repossessed. Is it a real lion? Yeah. It, a real, I mean, not alive, I hope. Well, it's not anymore. Point. Oh, a stuffed, a stuffed lion? A stuffed lion, yeah. Okay. I don't know if you lion. meant like a stone yeah. statue or like this like no, real lion no. like growling at you. When I said lion, like, I meant lion. It was a lion. <laughs> Interesting. And then they have like a suit of arms in there, and there was all there was all all sorts of weird stuff, like like medieval arms, you know. They they had they had this old school revolver, and a few of our friends pulled it off the wall and started chasing people around with it. I do remember that pretty distinctly. Hard to forget. Um, but it was it's beautiful, and it was like very very affordable. It's probably one but, of the biggest nicest mansions I've ever stayed in. But Jeff, I thought you were going to talk about like. Oh, you come in, you just walk through, and then you see this, and you're like lying. No, for me, I was like, you come in, you look through the kitchen window, and there's just this this yeah. lake in front of you opening up. You've got this pool. You just walk down to a pool that belonged to the house as well, palm trees all around it, little boathouse at the bottom of that. Um, and then yeah. you just see this rock. It's a stunning rock that just – you're like, how did that rock get there? It's massive, right? Like you can walk up that for, I don't know, an hour and see the entire landscape. And that's right in front it's of amazing. your window there, there in that in that finca, right? It's it's a stunning Incredible. Place. It's really, really stunning. And there's a lot of other things. It's all within a couple hours or so. Like we've yeah, got, yeah. Um, we also did whitewater rafting. We have to talk about Salento briefly too. Mm-hmm. We did whitewater rafting, which was a lot more aggressive than they let on. We've got flipped out of our rafts a few times and had to save people with oars. I remember that pretty distinctly. Um, and then we also paragliding. did paragliding too. Mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know what paragliding is, it's absolutely insane. Um, you run off a cliff on a parachute and just kind of sail around and get extremely motion sick. And then you land again. (laughs) (laughs) Not my, not my favorite, not my jam, but it's, uh, nonetheless, people seem to like it. There's also, um, yeah. Talk about Salento. That's in your top five, isn't it? Well, Salento is a place that will make a grown man cry, uh, (laughs) has proven to, um, it's, (laughs) <laughs> it's a grown a, man named Diego. <laughs> all right, guys. I welled <laughs> up a little bit. I can't, you can put me on that list. Thank you, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> um, so it's it's this uh, it's it's if you think about Colombia, I think this is kind of what you're thinking about, right? It's this tiny little colorful town just perched on top of this perched on top of this uh, this these like rolling green hills. 
coffee plantations all around. Um, You've got these, oh, it's incredible there. And then you've got these these old school Jeeps. They're called Willys for some reason. I have no idea why. That's the only car that exists there. And they <laughs> drive them all Jeep over Willys. the place. Yeah, they're collector's yeah. items from the States. Yeah, they're, they're a big oh, okay. deal. They're, so it's uh-huh. a thing. I thought it was it's just a Salento thing. I don't know that. That's not a thing. It's a thing. <laughs> but then the, the amazing part about that place, so apart from just being like the quintessential Colombian town that you absolutely have to visit, right? Like coffee plantation type of town um, with its colonial church and everything in the middle, the... The incredible thing about that place is you go on this hike and you are you're walking again up and down these hills through the jungle and then you you know when you finish the hike you're coming you're turning a turning a corner and then suddenly there's just this scene of Jurassic Park in front of you just these these like wild crazy super tall palm trees super tall super skinny palm trees and they're just spread all across that that scene and yeah that that was a moment that that um, that was I your was moment. Speechless. That was, my that was the first time in my Via de Cocoros, right? Via de Cocoros? Yeah. 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 I would like to set the That's background the that Diego loves palm trees. Like, you really, like, that brought tears to your eye. Aren't they the tallest palm trees in the world? Should I make that up? Tallest, skinniest palm trees in the world. So, whatever the opposite of a childhood trauma is, is how I feel about palm trees. So, I think when I saw them again in this scene, and I was like, these are the most beautiful version of the thing that I really love. As a child, because I, I grew up in Venezuela for for a part of it, and there's tons of palm trees there, so like that happened, and I, I just I couldn't speak. So. <laughs> I love that. So yeah, it sounds like there's tons of great weekend trips from there. Is what I'm from uh, from Medellin. I will add one more thing about Medellin. Sorry, guys, I think this is actually quite important. Um, Medellin to me, if again when I'm talking to people on those interviews and trying to describe it in a nutshell, is Medellin is everything that you think South America is about all in one place. So if you want to discover South America, I do believe that it is the best place for you to go in and really get a feel for it. And from there you can then go and South, even at Central American from there, you then go out and you'll, you'll see different nuances of a lot of these things, but, but Colombia, sorry, Medellin and Colombia, um, it has the Caribbean. It has that, you know, it's got that part of South America. It's got that culture, the Latino flair, all of that stuff is there. Um, so yeah, yeah that's and yes. with the added benefit of just being super easy to live there so you get all of that yeah. plus you get a lot yes. of first world amenities great food great internet great accommodations it's it's like everything all wrapped into great one coffee it's interesting as you say that diego because i think a lot of the places on the list or at least when i think about what makes bali and playa del carmen and chiang mai so easy is that it's actually like you kind of get to experience the culture but normally it's because it feels comfortable because you have western comforts you have expat community where you can find people speaking english it's almost like the reason that these places are the easiest is you're taken out of that culture within this bigger country if that makes sense so it kind of defeats a lot of the purpose of travel but it does make it an easy first place to kind of adjust to but it's neat and i haven't i've spent time in colombia but not medellin but it sounds like you're actually kind of getting real life south america while it's still being an easy digital nomad place that actually sounds kind of special in that way yeah uh, you, you, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. In short, yeah. you could have just said that, and we could have just said nothing, and we would have <laughs> saved some time. <laughs> there you go. But even I think back to Playa del Carmen, I forgot to mention, like, there's so many like touristy hotels and touristy roads that's like half of Playa that are kind of like appalling to be around, and it's you, you kind of have to set your boundaries and jump out of that to make sure you do kind of get a local Mexico experience. So. Anyway, that's really neat. Well, you any- kind of have to do that in Medellin, too, yeah. because generally you're living in Poblado. 
and it's a bubble. It's yeah, absolutely okay. so a bubble. It is it's a, a bubble. it's a nice it's a nice bubble with lots of nice coffee, but you have to get out of it. You have to get right. out of it a little bit to get some right. to get some more culture. Okay, yeah. so maybe it's the same theme as I'm, I hadn't really quite thought about this until we had this conversation. The theme that makes I think all of these places kind of an easy first digital nomad experience is that there's a little bubble everywhere where you don't feel like you are across the world. You don't have to try to speak another language all the time. You have Wi-Fi and comforts and all that. It's like easy, but all these places you can jump outside the bubble to still get that local travel experience, but you really have to do that for your weekend trips and kind of push yourself out. Although one one thing, Medellin, it's not completely easy. Watch your pockets. People will pickpocket you. No, there 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 have been several incidents there. So safety in general, you really have to uh, much more than in, in Asia. You have to be much more careful there. More than I would say, even in in Playa, there are lots of incidents in Playa, but they're less targeted at tourists, whereas in, in Medellin they are. Yeah, ironically yeah. in Playa, there's very few tourists targeted because the um, why can't I think of the name? Um, Conflict. The the conflict, like, yeah, like the, the gangs are literally um, make their money off of tourists and people. So if gangs are hurting tourists or if Americans are getting targeted, they're not going to travel there anymore. And so people actually like it's much more local violence, whereas Colombia it is maybe more um, like tourists who are pickpocketed and targeted. So, yeah, you just don't bring mm-hmm. your phone out um, all real parts of it. But, you know, know what you're doing. Keep your wits. No. Yeah. Keep your stuff safe. You'll be good. Yeah. Just pretend you're in a big city. Protect your pockets. Yeah. Don't be stupid. So with that, I think we'll wrap up Medellin. Oh, you got something else, Jeff? It looks like you. No, to I was going to ask. Do we have? Do we have another location in us? Yeah. So I think so. We're going to move on to Europe now. We were debating before we started the the best. We wanted to name two kind of digital nomad hotspots in Europe, and we landed. I'll give you. I guess number five. We'll start with Gran Canaria. And I've only spent a couple days there before doing Nomad Cruise. I haven't lived there for like a full month. So Diego, I'll let you kind of just explain what's what makes um, Gran Canaria a great digital nomad hotspot. Sure. Cool. Yeah. So I've also not spent the most amount of time there. I think two to three weeks or so. So definitely had the chance to live there a bit. But more than anything, like I've heard a ton of people talk about it. It is one of the, I would say, places that is very much, especially now trying to market itself as being a digital nomad destination. Um, And just in doing so, it's going to bring in more um, people working remotely. And by default, that itself is going to create a bigger group of people there, like a bigger, you know, environment, a bigger community there. And that ultimately is one of the the really important factors that, again, is something that all of these destinations that we've been talking about have in common, which is that you can plug yourself into a community of people who are working remotely just like you, right? So that it's more more comfortable and easier to, to get going. And just so that you start to make some of those friendships that you can then take around the world with you, right? That's super important. Um, it's also, or I guess the, the question then begs, why has it become that? Or why has it gotten yeah. its, its reputation in that? I believe it is because, uh, well, a big part is that it is a place in quote unquote Europe that is that has great weather in uh, in the winter seasons, right? Because it's actually an island off of Africa, but it still counts as a European island as part of Spain. Um, and it's not just, so it's the Canary Islands, really. It's not just Gran Canaria. Gran Canaria really is probably more of that hub, but there are several and they're trying to become more of a hub across the different islands. And yeah, they've got co-working spaces there. Um, people come there a lot for windsurfing seems to be a big sort of attractor. Um, I would say that compared to some of these other countries in terms like weekend trips and stuff like that, you don't have as much there on offer. But if you come for specific hobbies like windsurfing um, or other hobbies that you might find there, that's a, that's a good reason to be there. And as a whole, I feel like Gran Canaria gives you 
again, a very comfortable lifestyle, good weather, you're by the beach, you, you're in a you know relatively big, but not too big city, and you have access to all of those amenities. So very similar in terms of those, like, you know, the check boxes that we were kind of looking for. Perfect. Anything else you want to share? Yeah, I've only spent a couple of days, but it felt very easy. You're on the beach. I know you know you can get to other islands. It's a little bit of a trek, but um, yeah, how would you you would say it's pretty easy to tap into other digital nomads once you get there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. There's so they they're now doing again more and more and more of that. But even before they really put the effort behind it, there were already you know WhatsApp groups, Facebook groups. That's the easiest thing as you're going anywhere. Just plug yourself into some of those different groups, and you'll at least have an in with a bunch of people and that that kind of gets you going there's also co-living co-working opportunities there so um yeah and wi-fi tribe did their first chapter there last year and we were really happy with the with the destination too right so awesome might be back in the future there you go so the last one number six on our list for today so we actually debated we we're looking for one more in europe between bengsko bulgaria which is where i actually am right now and lisbon and ultimately we're we're going to talk about bengsko today because lisbon it is a popular one. So if you're looking for a city, it's an easy place to live, uh, good Wi-Fi, great expat community, but it's still part of a big city. We wanted to give more of like tap into a little place where it's full of nomads. So I just actually got here um, maybe four days ago. So I'm still getting the feel for it. But uh, literally I got added to a WhatsApp group when I got here. There's probably over 130 people in this group that are all nomads from all over the world. Some of them, I talked to someone at dinner the other night. She was like, I came here in October. So it's, I don't even know what month, what month is August right now. So she's just like, I haven't left. It's so easy. It's, it's one of those places that is really easy. It's actually a small, it's a ski town in the winter. So don't come in the winter if you're looking for a warm place. But um, in the summer, like a lot of it is kind of closed off, but you've got this empty little ski town that's just full with digital nomads. The Wi-Fi is really great. There's a bunch of good restaurants. It's not, ex- it's, I think, you know, you can get a place for $200, $300 for an apartment for the month. Um, there's tons of places like hiking five, 10 minutes away or, you know, a couple hours you can drive to that are really epic. But yeah, the community is great. I, I feel like there's a, um, a co-working space like around every corner, probably more than there could ever even be demand for. So you can always find a place to work. There's amazing cafes and restaurants to work from. But to me, it's just sometimes as a nomad, like I just want like a little break. And it is so I just came from New York City as well, where I was so overwhelmed. And it is like so peaceful. You walk around the corner and there's like a river that goes through the main part of town. There's mountains like 360 degrees all around. And it's really, I would say it's beautiful. It's easy. It's cheap. There's great Wi-Fi. And yeah, all around like A plus for me so far. And it just feels... It actually feels a little different. I think the other ones, you're more in a bubble. Um, but I don't know, if Bulgaria, at least for Americans, my friends are like, you're going, what, what country? Where? What are you? And I know for Europeans, it's much more common. But um, if you are coming from over, you know, from North America somewhere, you really do feel like you're kind of in a different place. The language, it's like letters I can't read. So it's, it's a little bit challenging in a good way to me, but still very easy. Everyone speaks English and yeah. Any questions, guys? I think one like alternative perspective to Bul- Bulgarian Vatsko specifically that I like to throw in there is that I only ever heard of it as a ski destination. And you now said, oh, you don't want to go um, if you're well, you know, not. Well, you for- do want to go for skiing, but yeah, not necessarily like to live as a digital nomad right. in the winter. And, and I just wanted to highlight that because it is one of the 
it is the only ski destination in the world that has a reputation for a community of digital nomads being there, right? And I believe that that's actually where it started, how it got its reputation in the first place, because people were like, well, we want to go skiing and keep doing, you know, keep doing our work. And it just ended up becoming the only place. And then from being the only place, more and more people would go there. And then at some point, people are like, well, Bensco is now a name for digital nomads. And now it's also turned into like a summer destination. Yeah. So that's that's fascinating. So based on what you're looking for, you can get, I guess, both, both things there. Yeah. Uh, I just loved how that evolved, right? And that just goes to show that a lot of these destinations, if they put in the effort or they get yeah. that initial traction, and honestly, initial traction plus being relatively small usually mm-hmm. means that a destination has a good chance of turning into a, a nomad hotspot um, because then people keep talking about it. And it just, again, it, it's a positive cycle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe, yeah, if you're up for it, I'm just like, I don't want to live anywhere where it's part of being a digital nomad, I think is like escape. You have the ability to escape winter, which most of us do, but like Diego, I like skiing. Diego loves skiing. So if you want to jump into that and have a digital nomad community, maybe actually would be a great winter spot as well. So all of it being said, that is the end of our top six like easiest destinations to start as a digital nomad. We will definitely do some episodes of um, some of the great cities, like if you're looking for that, just some of the really epic places that we've loved that are maybe a little bit harder, but great, like next tier destinations. Um, anything else to add, guys, before we wrap it up? No, I think we need to next jump into other types of destinations too, like no holds barred. Talk about everything. Yeah. Like Bolivia. <laughs> like Bolivia. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. Well, how about you get a 20, 20 minute segment on Bolivia? Yes. Will that be enough? <laughs> Wow. Thanks for the budget. I appreciate it. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Well, that's awesome, guys. If you are interested in living the digital nomad life, don't forget to check out the Go Remote Employment course. If you're looking to find a remote job, which one's right for you, how to get it, where to find them, how to negotiate with your boss so that you can start living this way as well, go to beachcommute.com slash GRE. We'll be back with tons of more helpful information, interviews with nomads. Anything else, guys? We're good to go. That's it. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you next episode. Bye-bye.